Welcome to Courtside Moms. I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, my guest is Tisha DeShields, mother of Diamond DeShields of the Chicago Sky. We have so much to talk about, so let's bring Tisha on the show. So, take us to the early days. What was Diamond like as a child? Um, let me just say this. Diamond was competitive from birth. Uh, she was she was competitive, thank goodness. Um, you know, she had that little fire in her. She had an older brother who mm-hmm. always had his friends over to the house. So whenever they played, whatever it was, she was right there trying to compete with them, even though she was the smaller, you know, even though she was the, you know, tiny, you know, very, very thin, you know, she was a competitor. <laughs> well, she is the product of a mother who was a track star at the University of Tennessee and a father who was a major league baseball player. So was she naturally athletically gifted from the onset? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's been it's quite funny because she started out obviously wanting to play baseball like her dad, like her big brother. But she quickly realized after about age six, you know, little girl baseball, we're not going to go very far, right? So she decided she was going to do tennis. So she took up tennis around six years old and was doing really, really well in tennis. And there was this young man, I'll say young man, Richard Williams, and some of you may have heard of him, Venus and Serena's dad. They, he had heard about Diamond. He said, who is this little girl in Atlanta, Georgia, who is killing it? I want to meet her. So fortunately, his accountant and our accountant were worked in this firm. So the connection was made. Uh, he flew Diamond. Uh, Mr. Williams flew Diamond and her dad down to Florida because he really wanted to see this talent. And Diamond got to, you know, hang out with him on his various courts. And so she got into tennis. Tennis was her thing until she was about 10 years old. And then at 10, she says, you know what, mom? I want to play basketball. And I was like, are you sure? Like, this is definitely an arena that I was unfamiliar with. So we put her in a rec league. Yeah, we put her in this rec league and she excelled. And parents were reaching out to me. Um, They said, oh my gosh, like, wait until the coaches on the north side of town see her. They are going to be all over her. Now, clearly, I knew nothing about the game of basketball, didn't quite understand what they were talking about. Um, Many of them, uh, even the coaches, many of the coaches questioned her age because her basketball IQ surpassed the IQ of a child her age. And I'm like, I know how old she is. She is 10 years old. And they're like, are you sure? But yeah, she got a those her side wrap their arms around her and began to get her on that circuit. That's amazing. But what made her decide to gravitate to basketball all of a sudden? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure because her brother really didn't play basketball. She just woke up one day and said, Mom, I want to play basketball. And as a parent, I want to make sure, you know, support their dreams and at that age, you kind of want them to try everything out. Yes. So, you know, she went from tennis, she did horseback, <laughs> you know, <laughs> piano, basketball. So I didn't really know if it stick. I just wanted to put her in the environment 
and, you know, just see if this was a thing that she was going to do. Right, right. So Diamond said that growing up, she did not get to watch a lot of WNBA games because they weren't really televised then. So do you know what kept her inspired to play the sport? And do you know who back then was her her role model? It's funny that we all, I can actually laugh at this right now, but you know, when she was little, I can say that her idol was a young lady that she's actually on the team with right now, Candace Parker. Candace Parker, uh, yes. I am, <laughs> yeah, yes. I am a former lady ball and I was always coming to the campus. So she grew up, you know, in the orange and baby, basically. And seeing Candace was literally a person that she modeled herself after. Um, so she had Candace Parker and she had LeBron James, but <laughs> those were her idols growing up. But in terms of women basketball, it was definitely Parker. So she played, I'm assuming, throughout middle school and then eventually high school. Um, I know she went to Nor- um, Norcross High School. So. Yes. Tell us about those years and her three state championships. OMG. That's all I <laughs> OMG. And the reason why I say that, because, you know, this world of competitive athletics is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was um, in high school, well, before she entered high school, she was in eighth. And she came to me and she said, Mom. I cannot stay at this current middle school and go into high school here because I need to be somewhere more competitive. And as a mom, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? So she did her research. She found this school, Norcross High, and she and another young lady by the name of Kayla Davis, and some of you may know her father, mm-hmm. Antonio Davis, they teamed. So you have two children who came from a setting, both going to different private schools, they came together and said, hey, we're going to go to high school. So they did their research and they came to Norcross. Why? Because of a young lady by the name of Angie Hembury. Coach Hembury was the coach, coached uh, Maya Moore. Some of you know who she is, right? Of course. So (laughs) Angie Hembury was Maya Moore's coach. So my eighth grader and her friend, Kayla Davis, decided that they were going to do their research, found out where Coach Henry was and said, this is the high school that they wanted to go to. I love that. So collectively, um, Kayla's parents and myself decided that we were going to move to Norcross. Now, let me tell you, my family and my friends thought I was losing my mind because Norcross is literally 45 minutes from where we lived. So we had to take up in Norcross. So we were like, you're going to sell your house and you're going to move to Norcross because your eighth grader said this is what she wants to do. And I was like, why not? Right. It makes sense to me. So I happen to be one of those parents that moved very organically. So it made sense. And mm-hmm. we moved to Norcross and it was a different living situation, of course, because we went from this 10,000 square foot home to an, a, a townhouse. So my kids, it's happening here. Why are we in this townhouse? And I said, listen, this is reality. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Most people don't get to grow up and live in a 10,000 square foot house. So I'm going to show you all what it means to share 
and live in close proximity. Because when you go to college, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, my kids got a quick reality check in terms of, you know, what life was going to be like for the next four years. Well, I love the fact that your daughter had a vision and then she brings it to another friend. They actually did their due diligence, their work, everything that they need to do before she brought it to you. And then she was able to sell that vision to you and say, mom, let's make this happen. And you actually did. And because of that vision, she became player of the year, McDonald All-American and countless other accolades and then selected to play on the 2011 U19 USA basketball team. So all this as a high school student, how did you help her cope with everything? OMG, I just keep saying OMG because guess what? It's better, it does, it really gets better. Um, oh, as she was in high school and she's winning a state championship and she wins another state championship, she comes to me again. She says, our post player has graduated from Norcross and I found another post player. She said, I can't play post. One. And I said, really? She says, yeah. She goes to um, Milton High School. Her name is Dierica Hamby. Now, Dierica Hamby currently plays in the WNBA for the Vegas Aces right now. Mm-hmm. I call her my bonus daughter. But listen to this. They're in high school. Diamond says, I found a new post player. It's Dierica. And I said, sweetie, Eric, come to Norcross is not that simple, right? There's rules to the game, right? You know, we got to run things through the Georgia High School Association. It's not that simple. You know what my daughter tells me? She says, you know, you need to consider it seed sown. You'll enter her life, right? You could be her mentor. And I was like, look at my kid, right? Totally for her cause. So mm-hmm. needless to say, we ran the GHS and Dierica was able to come stay with us. So I ended up having two plus tall girls living in my home, which was a town home at the time. So it was quite cramped, but we made it work, right? So Dierica comes to live with us. They win another state championship across high school. Dierica scholarship to Wake Forest. She begins to break all kinds of records at Wake Forest. And Dierica ended up going, as we all know. So right. the story just gets, it's very um, intertwined, I might say. Yes, yes, I'm loving this. So at what point was Diamond approached uh, by colleges? And what were you both looking for prior to making your final choice, which was eventually the University of North Carolina? Oh, goodness. Um, when Diamond <laughs> literally got on the scene, when, when coaches started to realize who she was, exact same time that her brother was being highly recruited. So mm-hmm. I had Diamond in eighth and 10th grade. You know, she's now receiving numerous from every college under the sun. I mean, we have a huge plastic storage container full of all her college letters. but not only dealing with recruiting in terms of uh, the worldwide um, reveal of Diamond D. Shield, but her brother was a senior at the time. Not only was he being recruited for baseball in high school, I mean, in college, but football in college, as well as baseball on the major league baseball circuit. So I had so much happen 
at one time, you know, trying to juggle the coaches coming home to recruit our son, you know, trying to keep Diamond, you know, situated and balanced, you know, as far as I could in, in terms of that. So there was a lot going on. I like to call it organized chaos because that's really what it was. It was organized wow. chaos. Wow, that's beautiful. I just love this. You know what I mean? As a mom, when you have some talented kids, man, you got to do what you have to do and just juggle it all and just make it all work. Absolutely. So, so now together at the beginning, the first choice was um, North Carolina and she went there yes. for one year. So tell us about her time and how did she end up at your alma mater, <laughs> University <laughs> of Tennessee, where she attended for two years? Awesome. Um, well, listen, of course, you know, I've always wanted her to be at University of Tennessee, but ultimately I knew it was going to be her decision. So, you know, my job as a parent, like most parents, is to like weigh the pros and the cons of, you know, the college selection. Um, and I remember telling Diamond, I said, listen, when you make your decision, I want you to make your decision based on campus life. Mm. I said, listen. Don't make your decision based on what your based on what your friends are doing, who the coach is, where your boyfriend is going, because all of those things are subject to change. One thing that's not going to change is the campus life. Campus life is the number one priority, you know. And she, when she called me and she told me she was going to go to UNC, I must say, guys, my heart. Sank. It really felt like a wrecking ball hit me in the yes. Because I want to be a lady ball, but she said, "Mom, you're gonna love the campus at UNC." And I said, "Okay." And I said, "I'll wear, I'll wear dark blue and light blue, but I am not wearing those letters." I was like, "I refuse <laughs> to wear UNC," but I was like, I'll come to the games and I'll wear the blue. And her first year at Chapel Hill. Um, it was like a couple of months into the school starting, she was starting to like not really feel comfortable there. Yeah. And we had a decision. We had a conversation, the decision to see it all the way through till the end. And I said, sweetheart, we are not quitters. That's not who we are. You know, when, when she was a little girl, they used the word can't in my house. If they even use the word can't, push-ups. So people the time why are the kids so strong well they had to do a lot of push-ups but anyway well they've learned you know that we're not quitters we're see it all the way through and so you know we had that conversation in terms of your relationship to UNC is like a marriage it's a commitment you know we're going to see this to the end and then we're going to come to the table and then if at the end of the season you still feel like we need to make this move we'll make that move and the end of the scene. And she says, mom, I still want to, you know, move. And I said, are you sure? She said, yeah. So after we got our release, we began to court other schools. Right. And income. And she ended up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So now she chose University of Tennessee. So what was it like for you going back there years later, but this time not as a student athlete, but the parent of a student athlete? Well, you know, it was full circle, I'll say. It was full because, again, Diamond grew up on that campus. You know, she would come to the school, you know, just to, to watch track, come to basketball games. 
And so it was a full circle moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, like you said, I'm now in the stands cheering opposed to me being on the field running, you know, and being a participant. It was, it was definitely a full circle moment. Of course. And what were those games like for you? Oh, electric. I mean, <laughs> I, I am always so nervous when I watch her play since she was a little girl, because I think she really doesn't understand how high she's going sometimes when she's jumping. And my nerves are so bad because I'm scared that we're going to hit her head. Like Mm -hmm. Diamond performs, I I like to call it poetry in motion. You know, it's like she just moves and I feel it. And I'm like, oh my, and I'm literally the sixth man on the court. (laughs) Um, However, you know, but she just my nerves are just really bad when I watch her play and she knows it. I mean, I usually have to sit far away from everybody. He ever sees me at the game. Yeah. I'm the lady that's sitting up in the, in the stand somewhere because I'm kicking, I'm jumping, I'm grabbing. And if you've ever sat near me during a game, your hair probably got pulled <laughs> because my nerves are just that bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, diamond played there for two years. Um, she was to return for her last year of eligibility, but she opted to leave and play in Turkey and signed a two-year deal. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yes. Um, Diamond ended up foregoing her fifth year at Tennessee, um, you know, and it was a tough decision. It was It was a very, very tough decision. Um, you know, so she had, you know, the opportunity to go pro and ultimately, for, for girls that are playing at that caliber, you know, that's the pinnacle, you know, of their career is to play mm-hmm. at that level. So she opted to play overseas. Uh, fortunately, she has been on that USA circuit sometime. So I was comfortable with having her go overseas. Um, you know, it was, it was a good experience. I, I've, I've loved every country that she's played with. And um, I, tr- I truly believe in just, you know, just um, expanding upon, you know, your travel adventures and, and, it, and it just develops you and it just brings something out of that you didn't think was there before because you have to adapt and adjust, you know, being on foreign soil. So it was a great experience. Good. I mean, my son went to Turkey as well before he entered the NBA. So like you said, it's a blessing for our kids to have these opportunities to do something a little bit different sometimes, right? So good for her. And you know what? She ended up entering the WNBA draft. So tell us about that process and how she actually prepared for this, um, for the league, because now she has a little bit of professional basketball under her belt. Yes. Well, Oh, the draft. Oh, my goodness. Another nerve wracking moment for me and the family, of course. But Diamond just moves through this so effortless. I think for her, it's like this is what's supposed to happen. You know, this is just what's supposed to happen. So mm-hmm. um, the draft was was exciting. Of course, it's electric. You know, everybody wants to be in the room on draft day. So definitely um, one of those milestones that will forever hold dear to our heart. She surprisingly, you know, went first round third pick. Um, but I will say um, she's not the first that's ever been in our family. You know, her dad went first round 12th. 
Her brother went first round, eighth pick. Dierica B, my bonus daughter, went first round, sixth pick. And Diamond goes first round, third pick. So <laughs> some have coined us the family of first rounders, you know. Um, but, you know, so we've just kind of, this is, this is our life. You know, like I said, it's organized chaos and we have embraced it all. That's beautiful. Like you're saying, you have this expectancy, right? You have a family full of wonderful athletes. So you guys are already number one, no matter where you go, right? So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what was it like for you though, even though you had this expectancy, you know what I mean? It's like, my daughter's fantastic. But then when you actually hear her name being called, what did that do for you, mom? You want to be honest? Yes. Let <laughs> me tell you, I really didn't even hear them call her name. And here's why. This is a little secret. Many people don't know this. Well, Diamond's outfit that she had on that day mm-hmm. was made that day. <laughs> that outfit she had on was made that day. And wow. so the pants, listen to this. She's probably going to kill me for this. But her pants were a little bit too tight towards the bottom. So my goal as I was sitting at that table was the moment, this was my job. The moment she stands <laughs> up, the moment she stands up, I was supposed to go down and pull her pant legs down so that they weren't jacked up on her legs. So that's what experience called her name on draft night. I was too busy fixing her pants. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Tell her, listen, almost every WNBA mom that I've spoken to had a role on draft night where the outfit was concerned. Okay. So, (laughs) and I'm sure she's heard back from other players saying, yeah, my mom had to pull up my dress. One had to make sure it didn't rip. One was making sure when I was walking to the stage, I was good. Oh yeah. Because this is what we do. We're moms, right? (laughs) Well, one of the many hats that we wear. That's right. That's right. Well, this wasn't her first professional team, but it was her first WNBA team. And she went third to the Chicago Sky. How did she adjust to playing against vet players who have been in the league for a few years? Oh, gosh. You know, she she has taken it all in. I'm sure she's from every last veteran out there. Um, You know, these are the young ladies and that she began to grow to love and see from afar. So to be able to rub elbows with them and um, talk about, you know, how they're going to move forward as um, a group of young ladies to make sure, you know, that things are a little bit different for the upcoming ladies. You know, she, Diamond is or wants to be, you know, that trailblazer. So pulls information from various sources and she just has these really lofty, lofty goals and dreams of really making an impact and changing, you know, you know, making some major changes in the WNBA. And, and there's a lot of changes that have been done, but they still have so much work to be done. Yes. Yes. Well, your baby later became an all-star. Did you attend those games in Las Vegas? And were you there when she won the skills challenge? Absolutely. I was there. I was in the stands. I was cutting up. I was cutting up like all the rest of the fans in the stands. You know, the offense was so much fun. It really was. Um, I brought my youngest daughter to the game. 
because uh, periodically I like to do mommy and me trips with each one of the kids. So the all-star game was a mommy and me trip for uh, Diamond's little sister denim. So mm-hmm. we're in the stands. Oh, I was embarrassing her. You know, I was, she was so embarrassed by me, but I had so much fun. Um, but again, it was the beautiful thing about the all-star game is it's like, there's no pressure, you know? So I didn't have to worry about people sitting close to me and me pulling their hair. Right. Yeah. The anxiety was not there. Um, it was a fun event. Um, clearly all of the contestants had an, had fun. Uh, the people in the stands had fun. So you know, I was just there, you know, supporting my baby. You know, I got to see D'Erica. She wasn't a part of that particular all-star, but she definitely was present. Uh, so, you know, it was just a fun, fun experience. Um, I'm sure my, I, I embarrass my older daughter, Diamond, all the time. So she's used to it. Well, your son, Delano DeShields Jr., he is a major league baseball player. So you have two kids who have reached their pinnacle points in their careers. So what was it like for you raising two professional athletes? You know, um, blessed. I mean, so many people pray that they get at least one child to make it to that level. So I have my moments where when I'm alone and I down because it's um it's an honor you yeah. know that that God would think that much of me to to put me in a situation where I get to mm-hmm. raise some incredible humans you know yeah. some incredible athletes and not just the not just the athletes that I gave birth to you know I'm attached to so many other athletes just through the relationships that they have with my children so I mean and I can begin to run off the names of the children that are I've adopted, you know, uh, physically, you know, um, and, and then those surrogate children that I have, but you know, it's, it's just an extreme honor. And I'm sure every mom that has a child competed can truly relate to that I'm saying, because, you know, there's so many times that, you know, you're having to be that mom to carpool the kids to the games because their parents can't get there or the kids might have to on your couch for the weekend, you know, to attend a tournament. So you inherit these kids. And, and so I, I, I consider it an extreme honor uh, to, to be in a position to not only give birth to some amazing champions, uh, but to be connected to some amazing champions as well. I love your emotion when you say that, because me too, I get up in the morning and I thank God for choosing me as that lucky one yeah. to be that mom to this special child that he just made and just said, you know what, Wendy, I'm putting this person in your care. So I love the emotion that you're, that you're, that you're having with this. I love it. So Diamond is now playing alongside Candace Parker, Allie Quigley, Courtney Vandersloot and the pursuit of this year's WNBA championship. Chicago is hitting their stride at the perfect time. How locked in are you in these games? Oh, very locked in. Very, very locked in. Last night, they played their first game against the Connecticut Sun, went in a double overtime. And I promise you, I stretched out on the couch, having many meltdowns. You know, I was going live on social media like, Lord, please help me. I can't do this anymore. So, again, I was that sixth man. 
you know, I'm rooting from the, from the couch, but, um, you know, I'm locked in. Um, I'm, I'm, it's use. Let me just say I'm locked in yep. to the games, but it's, it's a different, uh, vibe for me now because I'm seeing my daughter take on another role on the team, all of her, all of her life in terms of basketball, she's been a starter. She's been a starter. So now as a mom, I have to watch her sit on the bench, you know, I'm in, you know, not starting. So it's a different role for her, but guess what? She's embraced it. I love the fact that she's now, she now understands what it means to be on the bench, to stay cocked and ready. So when they put her in, Trust and believe she's executing, right? So, yeah. so that's a different role for her. And we've had conversations about it because so many times, you know, athletes don't make that adjustment very well, you know, especially when they go from being a starter to now having to take another role. But she's now um, positioning herself to embrace everything from every aspect of the bench so that moving forward, she can be a better leader. Yeah. So we're using this as as, you know, a way for her to just learn so that when she is, you know, in another role, she can speak and, and speak from experience on what it feels like to come off the bench. Absolutely. So, you know, we just use it all as a learning tool. Oh, amazing. Women's sports have long been an afterthought in America. The WNBA has advocated and really moved the needle in the last few years. What can you say about these amazing ladies as you were an athlete in much different times? Oh, absolutely. And let me tell you, even though the needle has moved, you know, I'm over here wishing the needle would move faster, right? <laughs> I'm, oh, I get so excited and just, and Diamond will say, mom, calm down, calm down. You're the only one that's excited right now. <laughs> you know, you're the only one. I'm like, no, I think everybody needs to know how hard you ladies work and how you lay it on the line. You know, um, oh, I'm excited for where women's athletics is going, but I know it's so exhausting for women. And I don't know if people really take all those things into consideration. It's like women have been on the forefront of every movement and I can just remember when I mean, was in the bubble, just it was exhausting. You know, when you think about, you know, the climate in which we were in when the kids were in the bubble or when the young ladies were in the bubble, you know, there were so many causes. It was, you know, Black Lives Matter. It was women's rights. It's, you know, LGTB rights. It's transgender rights. It was always a cause. And the women were on the forefront. So having to always switch gears, you know, can you just imagine every day a mic is in your face and now you're talking about this movement and you're talking about that movement and that movement. I mean, I just remember the ladies wearing the t-shirts, you know, yes. they would get off the buses and they would have various t-shirts on because they were fighting for a cause. So yeah. it's just exhausting. And sometimes I don't think the fans really see what the women give and constantly pour into like some of these female athletes go above and beyond for their fans. Yeah. You know, they really do because they don't have the luxury that the NBA players have, you know, they want to make sure they connect with their fans. 
And that's exhausting. You know, it is. It's a good exhaustion, but it can be very exhausting. So the women, oh my gosh, I am, I am all for women power, girl power, just roar. You know, I am that mom. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So right now you have an opportunity to say something. Um, you have an opportunity to say something to the fans of the WNBA about this, about, about everything that you just mentioned. So what is one thing you want to say right now about just giving the women more visibility and how to use platforms to do all these wonderful things? Because you're right, there's so much that needs to be said and no one's, not everybody is listening. So what do you want them to hear? Okay, what do I want the fans to hear? Foremost, I want the fans to hear that these ladies are human. They are human. Mm-hmm. Um, I want the fans to know that these women lay it on the line each and every day, uh, what their bodies go through, you know, um, to, to, to have subpar, sometimes accommodations, uh, to, to, to be treated like second class, you know, just know that, you know, they are human and they do get tired and they do deserve, you know, to be heard. And I think um, in these last few years, that's been the push the pushes for women to be heard. Right. And um, we, we're moving the needle, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Wendy. Uh, but like I said, I just wish the needle will move fast because these girls are all so deserving. And um, I love them all. Even some of them I haven't met. Um, I cheer for them all, you know, and, and I cheer for this. And um, I just fans to know that they're human. I love that message that you that you're giving back to them because like you're right, you're right. Not everybody gets to see these things. They just take everything for granted and they really truly don't know what goes on behind closed doors. They see the finished product, they see the game, but they really mm-hmm. don't know the steps that it took for the women to get there or what their really everyday lives are, right? For them to still get out there and perform and give the fans what they want, which is a wonderful game, right? So you're forever yes. having to be perfect. So Absolutely. when the ball stops bouncing, for Diamond, what do you see her doing? Impacting the world in just other arenas. You know, she knows that she has this stage, um, this mm-hmm. platform, mm-hmm. but it's just the beginning. It's really just the beginning for her. She has lofty goals and dreams to do things in other countries. Uh, right now, most people don't know this, mm-hmm. but Diamond has completed her real estate uh, license. You know, she wants to get into real estate. She wants to work on multiple streams of income because, again, you know, we all know that the salaries that these women get are, again, yes. just f- pennies compared to what the men get. Right. So the women have to look at other alternatives in terms of what their life is going to look like for basketball, you right. know, after basketball. You know, they just cannot rely on their salaries. Um, and the income that they, they make while they're playing, they literally need to be thinking about, they need to always be thinking about after the, after the game, yeah. after the ball stops. So, yes. you know, she's already putting some things in motion, which I'm so proud of her. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. So I love the fact that, you know, she wants to get into entrepreneurship and, and, uh, multiple streams of income. So, you know, just, you know, I, I'm just happy for her. 
happy for her. And I'm looking forward, believe it or not, even though she's got a budding basketball career right now, I'm really looking forward to what her life is going to be like when the ball stops bouncing. bouncing. Absolutely. What is it like being the courtside mom to Diamond to Shields? Uh, what is it like? Um, I have my moments. There's ebbs and flows to being Diamond the Shields' mom, right? Yes. There's moments of anxiety. <laughs> There's moments of, you know, just sheer joy. There's moments of, you know, just all kinds of emotions. Because, you know, Diamond, like all the other women have, she's endured a lot. She mm -hmm. has endured so, so, so much that many people don't even know. And one day she'll share that story like blown away. But, you know, I just watch her, her tenacity, you know, her perseverance, you know, the hunger, heart. I love it all, you know, and coming as an athlete, it's like, you know, as an athlete, that's what you want to see in your that's children. Right. You want to see that drive, that ambition. And um, I enjoy it. Uh, like I said, there's moments of highs and lows, but I embrace it all because at the end of the day, it's our organized chaos. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's learn some fun facts about Diamond now. Okay. Okay. When she was a child, did she have a nickname? And if so, what was it? You know, Diamond had a couple of nicknames. Oh. Okay. Um, when she was little, I called her Grasshopper. I still sometimes refer to her to Grasshopper because she could jump. Um, so I call her Grasshopper. Her uncle, however, calls her Zito. Zito Bido, right? So so she had a couple of couple of nicknames, but I called her Grasshopper. Any of them still stick today? Yes. <laughs> Grasshopper? Grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> what is that go-to dish that you used to make that she just always needed to eat? Oh goodness. I would say lasagna. She loves my lasagna. Yes, lasagna. <laughs> hmm. Name an item other than a basketball that she used to walk around with, like, like she just couldn't leave home without. A tennis racket. A tennis racket. She still has a tennis racket probably in her locker right now at, you know, her, where the Chicago Sky practices. I'm sure she has a tennis racket in there somewhere. Wow. So actually just asking about tennis real quick, because you said that she got to meet um, Mr. Williams. Well, did she ever get to meet uh, Venus and Serena? No, she never got a chance to meet them. She just literally spent the weekend with him on his courts. So she got a chance to play all three of his courts that he had right. in his backyard. So she was excited about that. That's amazing. Now I'm going to ask you some advice questions. Okay. Um, what advice would you give to another courtside mom about a coaching decision that she does not agree with? Well, I would simply say, um, now I get this sometimes I I've gotten this question before I have learned to just stay in the role of mother supporting mother. Yes. Um, you as a parent must trust your decision to put your child in the hands of that coach, whoever it might be, whether it's yeah. AAU, you know, or the, the fact that they're at this particular university and they're underneath the, the leadership of 
whoever that coach is, you know, you have to trust that coach. And so I have always had a really good relationship with the coaches, with my kids, because I just remain in the lane of supportive mother. And I allow for the coaches to remain in their lane as the coach. And so as long as our lanes don't cross, we're good. I don't want to tell the coach how to do their job. And I don't want the coach to tell me how to do my job. So as long as we all stay in our own lane and trust that you've put your child in the best environment underneath the best coaches that have the best interest for them, I would advise them to just stay lane and supportive parent. What advice would you give to a player about how to deal with a tough teammate? Uh, first and foremost, I would say, you know, I would, I would encourage the, the, the athlete to approach the other athlete, have a conversation, right? Yes. Um, and if they can't resolve it amongst themselves, then go to the coach. Yes. And hopefully the coach will be able to put some systems in place um, to make sure that they can resolve their situation. So that's what I would, I would encourage the kids Mm -hmm. to work it out, try to work it out themselves before they bring it to the coaches. 100%. And my last question for you is, if you could give one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would it be? (sighs) Stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane. Be mom. You know, at the end of the day, these athletes, they are already hard on themselves, right? They know when they didn't perform well, they know what they should have done differently. So the last thing they need after they stepped off the court, after they've already beat themselves up, you know, they've gone to the locker room, the coaches done beat them up some more a little bit, right? The last thing they need is to get in the car with you or to get a phone call from you and for you to beat them up some more. You know, parent, be their safe haven. Just be a parent you know, make sure they're good physically, make sure they're good mentally and just be that safe landing spot for them because it's tough out there playing at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough out there on those girls. Like they're hard on them. The coaches are hard on them. As the parent, you don't need to be hard on them. I love that advice. That's it. Always stay mom. Beautiful. Stay mom. So- <laughs> Oh, I had so much fun with you today. And I oh, I just love, love, love your energy. You're just amazing. And I I, I feel Thank blessed you. that you wanted to come and, and teach us about your daughter and, and, and who she is. Because it's important, like we said, for our fan bases, um, WNBA and even NBA and just other parents as well. You know what I mean? Just to understand who these players really are as people. Everybody knows who Diamond is for whatever she puts out there, but we need to know mom's side, mom's perspective, your story of who your baby is, because that's the real story. So, (laughs) Yes, that's the real story. Just like her pants were a little bit too tight at the ankles. That's the real story. There you go. See, see. (laughs) But thank you so much for coming on Courtside Moms. You're you're truly fantastic. And I, I bless you from the bottom of my heart. And I really pray that we always keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you, Wendy, for having me. Oh, we could do this again. You know, just let me know. We can do a roundtable discussion, a panel discussion. I mean, I'm just throwing some stuff out there. But anyway, just know that I'm accessible. Just, you know, have someone reach out to me and we can make it happen. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. It was a pleasure.